Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Happy Monday, everybody. Anthony Cazenza here with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. Hopefully you are all doing okay on this Monday after a very, uh, pretty much a devastating loss by the Cincinnati Bengals. And a lot of people are saying the sky isn't falling. Two and three, a lot of time left. That's coming from inside and outside of the building, that building being Paycor Stadium and other areas. But I got to tell you, the Bengals have a lot of ground to make up, and this long season will get shortened very quickly, and they have a lot of work to do if they want to try and regain their Super Bowl form from a year ago. Again, Anthony Kazenz, I'm going to go over all of the sights, sounds, stats, all kinds of different stuff with the Bengals' 17-19 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. On Sunday night, Chris Collinsworth can't call a Bengals win to save his life, the poor guy. Every time the Bengals play on Sunday night, it seems that Chris Collinsworth just can't get his former team a win, nor can he call one. Uh, The Bengals, again, for the third time this season, lose on the last play of the game. And each loss has been by one possession. And now... There are a lot of questions with this team at two and three with two divisional losses already under their belt. And now you basically got to win out for the rest of the division games. And the Browns have been up and down. They too are uh, two and three, I believe as well. We'll we'll take a look at the standings in just a second too. But um, Pittsburgh's a mess. Cleveland's up and down. And Baltimore looks vulnerable, even though Baltimore beat the Bengals. So the Bengals have their own vulnerabilities right now. I mean, they've got a lot of things to work out. That is just a lot of things that you gotta you gotta get in your mind here, and they they, they got a lot of different areas in, in which they need to work out. Let's get into some of the where do we want to start here? Um, I guess let's start with the box score. We can do that. Uh, let's put that on here. I will. Uh, Pull up the one from ESPN and share my screen here. I like I like using ESPN's box score because it's a little bit a little bit more user friendly for the for our purposes here. So I will share that right here. Here you go. Here are the stats. Pretty ugly one. A defensive battle, I guess you want to say. Look, Cincinnati holds Lamar Jackson to 174 yards passing, 
58 on the ground. I mean, he did, he had some nice runs, but 58 yards on the ground, one touchdown, one interception, that stat line, you would take that all day long when it comes to Lamar Jackson and the Bengals playing the Ravens, you would take that stat line all day long. Joe Burrow, 24 of 35, 217, one touchdown, one ugly interception, sacked only twice, did avoid some other pressures and whatnot, but uh, an 82.7 rating for him and a 71.6 rating for Lamar Jackson. Again, nothing really to write home about too much by both quarterbacks. A couple of nice runs from Jackson there, but he overshot two different receivers that would have been easy, deep touchdowns. Um, That would have really put the game... I would think far out of reach. Uh, and then of course, you know, some other nice runs, JK Dobbins had, had a nice 17 yarder, but really a running back by committee type of situation. Still no Gus Edwards for the Ravens and um, justice Hill also did not get a carry in this one here. So it was really Lamar getting the bulk with 12, 12 rushes, JK Dobbins getting eight. And then, a, you know, a handful of others Duvernay on a couple of uh, end arounds and whatnot, three for 24 there. Um, so some of those had some positive effects, but I mean, really this game was kept in reach for the offense. And that's kind of the storylines we are seeing and hearing as it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, this game and how they are performing galaxy 749 said, Hey, they're five and oh, in my head. Well, I, I wish I resided in your, in your brain, at least that part that has the Bengals at five and oh there, because that ain't the reality. The reality is they are struggling on offense. They are pressing. It appears they are not trusting either each other or they are not trusting what the what they're seeing out there. They're not trusting their own eyes and, and what they've studied. Uh, you know, there, there's also, you know, lack of execution and all these, you know, mantras and mottos and adages as it goes with football. But the bottom line is they're just not getting – they're not making plays. There are way too many dry spells. Um, still the occasional turnover. There was there now. Look, I'm gonna pull this up real quick. Um, well, I'll get I'll get to that in a second. But two sacks on Burrow. He had a he had clean pockets. He had more time than we had seen earlier this year. There was a play he made. He ended up making a, a nice throw out of it. But he started to almost bail, and then he was like. Oh wow, this is actually a cleaner pocket than I <laughs> than I thought was going to be here. So he stayed in and made a play. Um, so there there was a little bit of a, a quick trigger moment that I saw last night. I I don't remember the specific play, but I remember he he dialed back and you know he saw pressure and almost started to bail, and then he kind of was like, oh, this is actually a, kind of a cleaner pocket than I thought. I've got more time than I thought, and sat back there and made a play. Uh, running the football for the Bengals has been a problem this year. However, uh, not so much. Joe Mixon was 2.7 yards per carry on the year for Joe Mixon. He bumped that up to like 3.1 just from this game alone because he had 5.6 yards per carry in this game. 14 carries, 78 yards. P. Ryan had a couple of nice carries as well. Three for 17, positive yardage for him. So there were, there were, uh, elements of the run game that were working uh and joe goodberry our, our buddy on twitter he had a really nice breakdown earlier on monday that showed an rpo play wherein burrow ended up using the option to throw uh, you know kind of a, a a smoke route or a 
you know, uh, dial it out to the side in the flat to chase that netted zero yards on a throw instead of giving the ball to Mixon. And Mixon appeared to have had a big lane there. The Ravens were selling out against the pass. They were they were not going to let Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase beat them. Now, unfortunately, the Bengals lost T. Higgins in this game for a stretch with an ankle injury. Um, some other guys did step up. But, I mean, the bottom line, again, what was the key to the success in the two wins this year? It was the short controlled stuff. It was, and, and I'm not talking about the, the ch- a lot of the check down variety that we saw last night from Joe Burrow. I'm talking about mesh routes. I'm talking about crossers, slants, that sort of thing, where it would go to Higgins, obviously not available. So that hurts the offense. And you're seeing what this offense is and is not with and without T. Higgins. Jamar Chase is a special, special talent. Tyler Boyd does a lot of the dirty work, and he is a great player. But when T. Higgins is not in this lineup, you are seeing what this offense becomes. It becomes very uh, plodding and very just almost vanilla. They can't really move the ball very well because they don't have that size guy. They don't have that big catch radius. They don't have the guy that just having another big weapon on the field. Um, it, it really takes away from this this offense when T. Higgins is not out there. And that's been the case this entire year. So, you know, you look at all this and and you're kind of saying, what, what, what happened here? I mean, again, 217 passing yards from Burrow, the one interception, two sacks. You had 100 yards of rushing and a 4.8 yard per carry average as a team. Uh, Ravens had 155 yards. That's that's kind of a big yikes. But still, you held Lamar Jackson in check, and this game was in was within reach. The Bengals had the lead again late, and you almost, <laughs> as they were getting ready to uh, score at the end, there, you almost wanted them to just take up more time. Don't even let, don't even give the Ravens an opportunity based on how this year has gone, and the fact that basically. In their losses, whoever has the ball last, that's who's winning the game, right? I mean, they, they, and I think the, a big issue here with the Bengals last year, I, I've used the, the phrase a couple times. I know Lewis Riddick of ESPN uses it as well. Last year, the Bengals were an exceptional team in a couple of different elements. One was parlaying points right into and out of halftime. That was just a, they were sandwiching points right around halftime, which was really, really, uh, you know, killer to the opposition. They were also very good in these one score games last year. They have not been that way this year. And then you look at what, what the phrase that I was referring to complimentary football. Um, and that can go two different ways. And what I mean by that is number one, Hey, defense gets a turnover. Offense is going to go right for the throat and put that ball in the end zone. Um, You know, defense, uh, you know, or it's picking up a unit when a unit is not really doing their job and so on and so forth. They were really, really good at that last year. Everything just kind of clicked last year and it is not clicking right now. And so now you're seeing a lot of forced balls to Jamar Chase, seven catches, uh, 50 yards for Chase, 12 targets. You're forcing the ball to him. And you want to get him the ball, obviously, but you want to get him the ball when the plays are there and the plays are not there right now. And part of the reason why they're not there is because we we've seen T Higgins in and out of the lineup. Uh, And then you're just seeing forced passes to him. Seven catches on 12 targets to Jamar Chase and only 50 yards. 
Mike Thomas, a big 33-yard catch coming in in relief of T. Higgins. P. Ryan doing some things as a receiver as well. Four catches, 39 yards. Hurst, your leading receiver, six, uh, six for 53, leading receiver, receiver in terms of yardage. Did have that great touchdown, high effort for him, big game for him, not only just as a Bengal, but big game for him going up against his old team and, and playing well was a was a good sight. Six catches on seven targets for him. And then you see uh, Mark Andrews continues to kill the Bengals. Eight catches, 89 yards. The Bengals, for the most part, under Lou Anarumo, had done an exceptional job the past couple of years against high-end tight ends. And that was not the case here. Eight catches on 10 targets, 89 yards, a touchdown, an early pitch and catch for him, an easy one. And then he had a couple of nice catches to set up the game-winning field goal for them. Devin Duvernay, five for 54. But, I mean, you see a lot of just – it's basically Mark Andrews, a little bit from Duvernay, and a lot of blah from everybody else on the Ravens. So, again, though, I go back to this complimentary football concept where, you know, the, the other perfect element of that, defense plays well – you know, holding six, holding the Ravens to 16 points throughout most, most of the game. Lamar Jackson and company, 16 points. And then all of a sudden, inexplicably, the Bengals get the lead. And then inexplicably, they end up having issues at the very end. So instead of, you know, offense scores, let's shut the door. Um, offense scores to get the lead. And then all of a sudden, there are issues. And that lack of stepping up in critical moments, that lack of picking other units up on the team is uh, something that's missing this year. Something that's missing this year, for sure. Here's the other thing, folks. Joe Burrow, 217 yards, 190 net passing yards because of uh, the sacks. I, I take it back. There was There's three total, two on Burrow, one on the Boyd play. I don't know why he didn't just throw that away, but that play was a mess from the get-go. Uh, three total sacks by the Ravens there but 190 net passing yards against the team who was dead last in passing yards allowed this season. Dead last. And you you put forth a 190 net passing yard effort. That's not going to get it done. And then you look here, a couple of nice uh, games from Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Pratt had eight total tackles, a sack, and two passes defended. He was he was everywhere. Wilson was everywhere. everywhere. Von Bell with the interception again. Big play for him. Bates was was very active, but seemed to be a step behind, or not even a full step behind, like a quarter of a step behind on some of these plays. He was right in there. Unfortunately, just didn't cause incompletions or whatnot. Uh, Wuzier, six tackles. Hubbard had an active game. Uh, Tupo had four tackles. A little bit quiet from him. Um, you know, but Hend Hendrickson was a, a beast at the beginning of the game. Uh, he was really giving fits to Ronnie Stanley and his backup there early in the game and and uh, only finished with two tackles there. Four quarterback hits, though, in total. And um, you see there one sack netted. Not good there. And you see five quarterback hits and three sacks over there for the Ravens. I, I give I give Baltimore credit. They played very, very inspired football because obviously they remembered what happened in these two games last year. They ha have a long memory, and their fans definitely have a long memory as well. Um, kind of an interesting sight seeing Josh Bynes, who was a Raven, a Raven for a long time, then a Bengal for a year, and was a very valuable guy for, for the year that he was here during the COVID 2020 season. 
get a sack on Joe Burrow. That was kind of quite the sight to see there. Um, but regardless, the uh, Bengals came up short. Bengals came up short. Interesting night, though, for the Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson. He was one of one on a field goal and two of two on his on a extra points. But was he two of two? That one that floated uh, over the crossbar, I guess, sort of inside of it. Um, they gave him that. So uh, five points in total for him. Huber, rough night punting. Uh, four, four punts and only a 38.5 average. None of them inside the 20. He did have a 51-yarder as a long, but he was not punting all that well for the Bengals in this one. So all in all, you know, just uh, it, it's it's very disappointing to see what the Bengals, uh, the, their offensive output is. 19 points to Baltimore in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, you know, what is that? 200, I, I'm not great, 230 total yards from scrimmage. One touchdown, one interception. You would take that all day, every day when you face this team. And somehow you end up on the losing end of it. It's it's pretty pretty maddening if you are uh, a Bengals fan and obviously someone in that locker room. And and here's the thing. Rob Duncan says, I'm over getting beat by teams with a less talented roster than ours. I'm sure you'd get some pushback on that from the Baltimore side of things. And I don't I don't know if there's a significant talent gap between both of these teams, but you would think that this was a game based on how close it was and, you know, the defense doing what it did. You would think that this was a game that the Bengals would have won. And they did not. They did not. We're going to take a look here at um, a couple of other things. Here is the. Let's do the team stats. We'll click over there. And you can see here, Bengals, less less on the first downs, 20 to 22. They did have more passing first downs, 10 to 7. Um, almost got doubled up on the rushing first downs, 13 by Baltimore, 7 for the Bengals. Uh, third down efficiency, 4 of 10, not great. 5 of 11, pretty similar by the, by the Ravens there. Ravens ran two more plays. Ravens had about you know, 35 or so more yards. It's Monday. My brain's a little, little foggy. Uh, almost have a half, half a yard more per play, 4.9 yards per play for the Bengals. That's, ugh, that is not good. And of course, pretty clean game as usual by the Bengals, four penalties, 20 yards, six for 48 by the Ravens and time of possession, pretty much dead. Even Bengals had it for two seconds more than the Ravens and the Ravens come out on top there. So, all in all, not huge disparities with with a lot of this stuff, but man, um, there there are some things here that are coming out that aren't uh, that aren't that great in terms of uh, stats. Some of them are great, and I'll share. I'm going to do a shameless self promotion here. Share a tweet that I put out earlier because I found this stat interesting. Did a little math here. If you don't count the pick six in week one, the Bengals defense is allowing just sixteen point four points per game. Uh, they, they, we had questions in facing backup quarterbacks to varying degrees and amounts of time. And what I meant by that is varying degrees. I mean, Trubisky was the starter to begin the season. He is now currently a backup. And of course, amounts of time, the two, a Teddy Bridgewater situation in weeks one through four. So there were questions with, you know, okay, who are they actually playing 
Um, but then they they did did well against Lamar, 174 passing yards and interception and a 71.6 rating. 16.4 points per game. That's not counting the pick six that Burrow threw in the first game. So the defense, is it spectacular? No. Are they absolutely harassing other quarterbacks? Not necessarily, but they are doing enough. Uh, definitely enough for the, the to keep the team in the game. Um, but I mean, I, there's always improvements, but I mean, they're, they're causing a few more turnovers than they did at the beginning of the season. And then now, you know, you're seeing Hendrickson heat up a little bit, Hubbard doing his thing. They need to find additional pass rush help beyond those two though. Someone's somewhat consistent. They need to get that. And then of course, um, you know, the, the offense needs to do its job. This has to be <laughs> this will be the tweet of the week we've done this and i know it's only monday but here we go tweet of the week time and it's from uh, a friend of the show Here we go, Ben Baby, ESPN. We're giving the love to ESPN today, that's for sure, and rightfully so, thanks to the box score and whatnot. But this is from Ben Baby of ESPN. Oh, boy. And this is courtesy also of ESPN Stats and Info. The Bengals are the first team in NFL history to lose three of its first five games on a score on the final play via Elias Sports Bureau and ESPN Stats and Info. Let me repeat that one more time because this is a stat that is just – Mind-boggling and only the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are the first team in NFL history to lose three of its first five games on a score on the final play. Unbelievable. That's your Tweet of the Week there. Even though it's Monday, we're still doing Tweets of the Week. Yikes. That is just unimaginable. Unimaginable. Here we go right here. This is from our buddy Bengals captain, a nice tweet from him as well. And then we'll get to some of the headlines and other stuff coming out of the Bengals as we start charging into next week. PFF grades, as expected, don't look amazing. Two offensive line were in the green. The bad news is that Joe Burrow was just 0.9, nine tenths of a point higher than Leo Collins in terms of pro football focus grades. Burrow didn't crack 60. He's graded just above 70 only once this year. In 2021, he did that 15 times, 12 of them in the regular season. Let me repeat that. Burrow had a 70-plus PFF score 15 times in, what, 19 games? Not 19 games. Uh, Yeah, 19, 20 games last season. Almost every game, 12 of them in the regular season. 12 times in the regular season, 70-plus PFF score for Burrow. He's only done it once in five games so far this year. He didn't even crack 60 last night. That is a big yikes. That is a big yikes and great stuff from our buddy Bengals captain there on on Twitter. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Um, do we have another one? Uh, yeah, we've got some more stuff in terms of aftermath uh, injury updates and all kinds of different things here. But uh, obviously the big talk here is about play calling. I'll share some stories on that. Um, the play calling is leaving some things to be desired, but it's not the only problem. I saw someone ask, ask about that earlier in this game. Yeah. Uh, RM, this was another one. How many batted balls did, did Burrow have batted down last night? Seemed like at least four or five. There was a lot. There were a lot of those uh, more so than usual. And he's not, it's not like he's Drew Brees, you know, in terms of height. I guess that's an appropriate week to bring up a Drew Brees reference, given that the Bengals are playing the Saints. Uh, but, he, I mean, he's 6'3", 6'4", he's a tall guy, so height's not an issue. Um, that has to be, again, it, when you when you go look back also to week one, T.J. Watt had on his jump, bat, and interception – he wasn't really even rushing the passer. He had exceptional play recognition on that specific play because he watched film and knew what Cincinnati was going to do on that play. And so he, instead of trying to rush, you know, get around Leo Collins and rush the passer, he jumped up. He, he waited. He like didn't even engage Collins in that play, waited, jumped, batted the ball to himself and made a great play and in interception. One of the, God, four or five or whatever he had in that game. Um, so I I think you're seeing, when you talk about the batted balls, that was a great point. Uh, you're seeing some of the same things occur from these teams who have a little bit more familiarity with the Bengals than those who do not. Um, it, it's not, if you're looking at, you know, predictable play calling or, you know, hey, tipping of hands or whatever, and that's, that's your concern here, and it should be, but... Uh, you're seeing some of the worst performances so far by the Bengals offense and by Burrow against division rivals this year. And those are teams that faced Burrow so far four total times last year, Baltimore twice, Pittsburgh twice. And so if you're doing a lot of the same things and, or now it's becoming a little bit more predictable, some of these teams are going to catch up on some of those things and they'll time their jumps on the defensive line to bat the balls down and all of that. Um, so yeah, Rob Duncan, uh, added to that there, Evan in, in the Facebook chat, Evan Manning Burrow looked flustered and uncomfortable in the pocket for the most part this year. He's second guessing himself a lot. I, I don't know about the second guessing part, but he does look less comfortable in the pocket for sure. And like I said, there was a play last night where 
he he automatically kind of thought that the play was breaking down and he's like, Oh, I have a clean pocket here. Actually. He took like a step forward. Like he was going to already bail. And then he stopped and he was like, Oh, this is actually kind of nice. And then he made a play. So the, I, again, I don't know if it's the last year thing. I don't know if it's the appendectomy. I don't know what it necessarily is, but uh, there is a tendency to not want to either uh hang in the pocket as long or you know i don't know there's a lot of things at play the play calling is a, a definitely a bit of an issue and that you know you, you obviously we kind of know for the most part when the Bengals are going to run the football uh, but again you're taught we, we talked about this with also making the right decisions by players making the right decisions out there as well that rpo play that joe goodbury put out on twitter i mean that's just that's not the right decision in that in that time. And you're hearing a lot of the players say, you know, when Tyler Boyd was talking about the the Philly special and then, you, you know, you had, uh, you know, Burrow on that RPO go to um, go to chase instead of, you know, giving the ball to Mixon or whatnot. You're kind of you are having guys kind of, hey, I thought they showed us this and we thought we had this but it's not what happened. So teams are tricking them a little bit. Not, I, so I don't know about the second guessing part, but it seems like teams are disguising things a bit better if you're reading the words that the Bengals players are putting out there. Uh, and I think that's that's part of it. And I guess kudos to, to some of these teams, especially the ones in the division that made made adjustments from the, the beatdowns that they received last year by the Bengals. So let's get to some of these other things here. One of the things that, um, you know, kind of has been swept under the rug a little bit is, and this is from our buddy James Rapine and the great crew over at Sports Illustrated's All Bengals site. Did you see this one? I'm sure you've heard about it now. Zach Taylor has a sideline exchange with Leal Collins after the failed fourth down conversion. And we'll talk about the fourth down conversion in a sec here. And I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. This is from Caleb Noe, Marshall Kramsky here. Uh, here's here's... There is Zach Taylor saying, come here, come here, come here. I got to tell you something. But I'll say this, Mike. It's one thing when Pat. So you saw there that, um, and here's the link, by the way. I will share that. I like to, since we do happen in headlines, I like to share the link. So that'll be in the live chats, in the replay chats as well, if you like the video side of things. But when you see that, that's not good. Um, and then you've got this here from, from Hayden Hurst. And he's been a nice addition to the team, but he here it is on cincyjungle.com. Hayden Hurst, keeping it positive is the article named by John Acri there on Cincy Jungle. I will post the link here. Basically, he says, we'll be fine. Let's not panic. There's no panic in here. We know what we're capable of. It doesn't matter the situation. We know what we're capable of on offense. We're going to get this thing rolling. Got playmakers all over the place. Love the optimism. You know when it's time to panic? When you have to talk about panicking. <laughs> when you have to talk about, is it time to panic? When you have to talk about, we'll be fine. We know what we're capable of. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I love the optimism. I love what he's bringing here. But 
The bottom line is still consistency. Even, even last year, offensive consistency or inconsistency was the name of the game. There were too many dry spells for all the players that they have out there. And there, there are too many times where they just go without a score, go without points. And they still have problems in the red zone. They cannot figure out and it cannot figure out goal line situations for the most part. And for me, I know a lot of people like the aggression. And for the most part, I like to be, I like a coach to be a little more aggressive than not in terms of fourth, uh, fourth and shorts and uh, you know, all depending on the situation. But when you've got the personnel that the Bengals got, you have to feel pretty confident that, Hey, you know, they're going to, they're going to potentially get this thing right. And they're going to, you know, they're going to convert this third down or this third or fourth down and short in this situation. And yesterday that was not the case. And for me, I probably would have said, you know what, on that, you lost, what was it, 12 yards or 14 yards or something on the Tyler Boyd sack. You made up a lot of ground. You got to the two. At that point, I kind of would have said, this is a tight game. We're on the road. It's a division game. We were kind of fortunate to get back even a lot of that yardage and get, get close to the end zone. I know it's tempting. Let's take the points. Because you were already moving backwards. You were already... It, it was a huge momentum swing. And I know the I know the Ravens also had left their points on the board going forward on fourth down and whatnot. But I probably just given the, the sequence of plays and all of that, I probably would have just taken the points. And I know it's easy to say now that the Bengals lost by two, but I probably just, you're on the road, tough divisional game. It's already a tight game. Points are at a premium. You just lost a bunch of yards and you had a positive play to make up a lot of that ground to make it an easy field goal. I probably would have just taken the points there. Um, and I, that may or may not be a popular opinion. That may or may not be the prevailing opinion. I don't know, but, uh, I, and I'm not saying that because the Bengals lost by two, I just would have said, you know, let's just kind of play with, with a little bit of house money after that Tyler Boyd sack and, um, you know, go, go from there. Uh, you're talking then about, you know, different situation. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really understand that. I also don't understand. I, I I would like to go. I should have brought back up the the play by play there, but I mean, I what was it? Uh, three or four passes in that situation as you're down near the goal line, right? Because um, the last one was that weird shovel plat pass, and oh by the way, that was the play that Zach Taylor was given the business to Lael Collins because apparently he missed a, an assignment. So. Uh, you know, at that point, I would have kicked the field goal. You had the play calling situation was already kind of a mess. You're, you, you've talked about recommitting, you know, you're committed to the run. You're committed to get Joe Mixon going. Joe Mixon got going. Five and a half yards of carry. Pirine, five and a half yards of carry. And down there, you throw the ball three or four times and don't give a shot to your running back. And then, you know, you had the gadget play that netted you a lot of yards. Uh, that that was an inexplicable series of plays right there. And to me, I think that was kind of what doomed them a little bit. I mean, we could talk about all I mean, it wasn't just that, but that was that was a big, big series of moments in that in the game, for sure. And the Bengals need to figure out how 
to get into the end zone. Uh, when the field shortens, they need to figure it out. And it's really, really hard to believe that they're having those issues with the talent that they have. Granted, T. Higgins has been in and out of the lineup. Um, so, at any rate, Hayden Hurst keeping it positive there. But uh, And I'm getting some awesome glare this time of day on the old West Coast. I'm going to scoot over here a little bit. But Hayden Hurst is keeping it positive, but uh, I don't know. Hard to hard to be positive when similar mistakes keep being made. Let's keep going here. A couple of other um, things as we go on. Is it? Oh, yeah. So here's here's an update on this again from All Bengals. So we will uh, update on the layout Collins thing. So let's let's pull that up and then we'll get to a couple other headlines and bounce on out of here, but they downplay this. And this is again, from all Bengals. You see here, Zach Taylor and Leo Collins downplay the sideline exchange during the Bengals loss. Now we'll pin this so you can go check out all the great work that they do over at all Bengals and sports illustrated. So you can check that out. Um, this is from, from James Rapine here. Uh, Quote, we had a great relationship just talking through the situation, Taylor said after the game. Uh, Quote, I don't know. I just kept telling him I was good, Colin said. Just frustrated that we didn't get it in there. That was a big pivotal point in the game. We needed to put points on the board there and take the lead. Um, Obviously, Collins is having back problems. That's been something that's been bugging him throughout training camp and whatnot. So, um Collins says, says he's a hell of a coach, quote, it's just one of those things. Emotions fly high. We lay it all in line each and every play. And that's when you hear, is it time to panic? And when you hear exchange, exchange, you know, heated exchange, that sort of thing. That the, These are just things that were not part and parcel uh, of the team's big run last year. Now, the good news, you know, the Chiefs were struggling last year by their standards. I think they were, what, three and four or you know, three and five. So I think the Niners were also three and five at one point and they both went deep into the playoffs. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely hope, particularly with the talent that the Bengals have. And when the defense continues, even though they're not, you know, statistical animals on defense, like I said, 16.4 points per game given up by this defense, that is manageable. That That is definitely manageable. Let's get to another couple of, um, and I, I, I want to share this. Willie Lutz, who has been on our show and I've been on his show as well. Great guy and great, great, great Twitter follow as well. He had a really interesting article on Bet Jack where he um, does a little bit of writing. And the season isn't over in Cincinnati, but Zach Taylor's play calling is killing wins is the article. And he talks about ranking 23rd in offensive yardage. Uh, numbers are bad. Situational play calling is worse. And he goes through, this is a really nice article. So go give Willie Lutz some love there and check out the bet Jack article. Um, really interesting about the play calling situation and, and things, elements that he brings up. Go, uh, go check that one out. The link is in the live, uh, live chat on the videos as well. Um, let's go to a couple more on the bangles and then we'll start wrapping up here. Um, here is one on Ben Baby, 
from ES, ESPN, Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan agrees that with Zach Taylor that wide receiver Tyler Boyd should be getting a higher target share was also a top of, topic of discussion in 2021. Great. It's true. He should. He helps them out immensely, and he is a guy that when they are in a funk, he's that chain mover guy to help build confidence and get things back rolling. What I don't like is that we're still having conversations that were issues last year, and it's continuing to be an issue this year. Um, you know, we talked about that last year. Okay, great. Well, here we are this year. You know, fix it. <laughs> fix it. Let's go to an injury update on T. Higgins and Jonah Williams, two big Bengals players who were hurt in the game last night. Um, injury update on these, and this is from Jason Markham out of Cincy Jungle, relaying this news here. Scroll on down. He missed most, Higgins missed most of week one to, to because of a concussion. He's got an ankle injury that he suffered, um, and uh, he wasn't 100%. He didn't have a lot of snaps here, and you can see here Jonah Williams had a good game overall, 81.4 PFF pass blocking, 80.5 in true pass blocking sets. Look at this. This is from Willie Lutz, at Willie underscore Lutz, by the way. Uh, no sacks, no hits, no pressures. Pretty decent in the run game, 66.2. Not great, but okay. Uh, but really good in pass pro. But um, at any rate, they are both looking to, we're, we're trying to figure out what the update is here. And Zach Taylor in his press conference on Monday, Higgins has a quote, complicated ankle injury that has him day to day. Williams had an MCL sprain. He will be day to day as well. I did note that uh, I forget who it was, but they said that basically Jonah's in a lot of pain with that MCL sprain. So that's something to note and not, not good news for him. Hopefully that, uh, and he, he did not have a good outing to begin the season, but now he is playing a bit better as you saw from those PFF scores there, but both of these guys need to be healthy. This offense is just not the same without T Higgins. And, and then again, when we're talking about the red zone issues, the goal line issues, you need that big target and they need, you know, you need kind of all hands on deck. This is where you kind of wish that the Bengals had maybe stockpiled a little bit of insurance policies behind the big three at wide receiver uh, Mike Thomas came in, had a nice play, and Stanley Morgan is a do-it-all, great special teams guy and whatnot. Uh, you know, and the other guys, the the Trents provide you with some special teams ability and whatnot. But, um, you know, kind of a, a guy that you can come, you know, if there is an injury to, to, to T. Higgins, someone that can come in and immediately kind of not be the exact same guy, but have a presence um, and have, you know, have a little bit of consistency with the team. So, at any rate, let's get to the snap counts yesterday, and then we will get on out of here with some final thoughts. I'm Anthony Cazenza with Cincy Jungle, by the way, and this article is on Cincy Jungle. And I will pin this in the live chat for you, Bengals at Raven Snap Count. This is from my boy, John Sheeran. Um, and you can see here uh, a lot of 100 percenters, Karis, Awuja, Apple out there every single snap. Hilton out there, only 51%. Flowers out there. So this is this is what confused me a little bit. Only nine snaps for him, 14%. Especially when you had the issues that you had with Mark Andrews. You thought that Flowers maybe would have got a few more snaps out there. 
maybe not. Dax Hill continues to just not really see the field. Only six defensive snaps for him. Hubbard playing 91% of the snaps. You want more help from the edge and get more consistency from edge players. Hendrickson out there, just 63% there. Hubbard just – now they played Hubbard that much because Hubbard is – he's a good pass rusher. He's a good defensive end, but he's also very, very adept at playing contain. And he has really learned how to play against Lamar Jackson. And so I, I think that's where you're seeing why he was out there so much more than, than Trey Hendrickson was. B.J. Hill out there, 56. They are they are missing uh, Larry Ogunjobi, at least the Larry Ogunjobi of last year. They are missing him a bit. Josh Tupo, 46 snaps, 71%. Uh, Zach Carter, 22, 34% of the snaps. Shelvin was activated this week, only had nine snaps out there. Activated, obviously, is try, trying to counter what the Ravens do in the run game. And, of course, not having DJ Reader. Uh, Pratt, who had the excellent game, 52 total defensive snaps for him. Davis Gaither, 20 snaps. Uh, Burrow, of course, playing 100%. Then you had Jesse Bates playing 100%. Vaughn Bell playing 100%. Uh, those guys had every snap out there. Jamar Chase, 100%. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox, only 19%. T. Higgins, only 10 snaps yesterday, 16%. That hurt the team but you got to find a way to make up some of the production you got to find a way to overcome that and he's a big big piece and i know i know we sit here and we praise burrow and chase and all for good reason but i'm telling you we look at the games wherein t higgins misses time and you are seeing a direct correlation as to why uh, why the Bengals have the dry spells now i mean when he's in there, there are there big plays to chase, of course. But, you know, that's because there's the myriad of weapons. But Higgins also does a lot of things for this offense, does a lot of things for this offense, and he's a key player. And so when you miss him, you miss a lot of different different things. And I think he was missed uh, throughout a, a big portion of yesterday there, and hopefully that ankle can heal up. Unfortunately, you know, uh, last year and this year at the beginning of the season – he had lingering issues, uh, lingering injuries that, you know, kind of hung around for a little bit and ankles definitely do that. So I don't know. Well, look, not a good evening for the Bengals have a lot of regrouping to do a lot of different things that they need to take care of. They have a winnable game uh, in new Orleans. I would think that chase burrow Collins the whole LSU crew that the Bengals have amassed Shelvin on that side of the ball. I would think that there's a little extra spark for them going down there. The saints are struggling a little bit. Um, so this seems to be a winnable game for the Bengals. Hopefully they can get back on track again, a team that unlike these AFC North teams, a team that isn't all that familiar, doesn't see the Bengals twice a year uh, to, to get a firm grasp on this offense. So we'll see exactly what happens if that has an effect here, but the Bengals need to start winning games and they basically need to win out in the division from here out at, at a minimum split, you know, go three and three in the division. Uh, you got to win these next two against Pittsburgh and Baltimore um, that, that are coming down the stretch. And then of course you, you got to take at least one, if not both from Cleveland. So at any rate, Bengals are two and three. They lose on Sunday night, 17, 19, to the Ravens. I think what's also frustrating us all, it's not, it's not just where the record is at this point. It's also 
you lose on the last snap of the game on field goals. It's it's you're just so close. You're so close. It's so frustrating. And these are the these are the games that were tipped in their favor. And unfortunately, the national narrative going into this year is you know the Bengals won a lot of those coin flip games last year. They may not be able to be as fortunate this year. And unfortunately, that narrative, as tiresome as it got, is starting to ring true a little bit. So, so Cincinnati needs to start winning games. They need to start closing out games and they need to start finding ways to get into the end zone when the field shortens. And of course they got to be a little less predictable on the play calling front and we'll see what happens. There's some talk about that at the press conference today. And basically what was said was it's kind of done by committee Callahan, Taylor, Burrow, the offensive players, they have input and when he calls plays, it goes through the, the channels. But, I mean, he ultimately pulls the trigger on the play call. So uh, it sounds like that's going to remain the same. There, there doesn't seem to be changes in store for that. So that, that's, that is what it is. Bengals are 2-3. and three. They lose 17-19 against the Baltimore Ravens. They've got the Saints coming on deck. We've got a lot more on our podcast channel, Bengal Jim and Friends, talking football with Bengal Jim and Friends, back Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, with a big episode, John Sheeran and myself talking Wednesday night with the uh, about the game, what's ahead, all of that. We also are working on a special guest this week for a Saints preview. Terrence Copper, former Saints wide receiver, now host of the Believe in Saints podcast. He'll be joining us sometime this week and work out a schedule on that. So excited to, to get a good look at things there. And then we've got... A lot more listener questions live, all kinds of different stuff. Keep an eye out, too. If you like our YouTube channel, the Orange and Black Insider, we're going to be enacting some memberships. So if you like what we do, we'll have some extra perks for those of you who want to do the membership deal. We appreciate all the support that you show our show, the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, and the website. Of course, go to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, podcasts, all kinds of different stuff, film breakdown. Check it out. Thanks, everybody. Happy Monday to you. We'll all get through this, I promise, I promise. And uh, take care. We'll talk soon.